Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Uh, how many Oprah Network folks do we have out here? Anyone paid attention at all to the Oprah Network? If you have, you're probably familiar with our author. Her name is Ilania Van Zant, and she's featured on several different programs on the Oprah Network. She's also written really a series of lovely books. I've chosen one I think that fits in with our, our series really well here on trust. And we're going to work through four elements of trust in the next four weeks. This week, we're going to talk about trusting ourselves. Next week, the idea of trusting God. The week after that, trusting uh, uh, the other humans on the planet. Uh, we may have some issues uh, <laughs> that week, but we will get through it, I promise. <laughs> and then finally, uh, her fourth chapter, uh, amazingly, talks about really trusting the process of life itself. It kind of ties uh, the other pieces of it together. So I think we're going to have a, a good month coming up here. Uh, where I want to start, though, with this idea of trusting ourselves is a pop quiz. Because I would hazard to guess most of us feel like, well, we do trust ourselves. We, we know what our strengths are. We know what our weaknesses are. We have a good sense of who we are and what we're about. What's not to trust, right? Um, okay, ready for the test. The test is called 21 Signs That You May Not Trust Yourself. We're just going to do 10. The ten we're just going to do the 10 that made me cry a little bit. So, uh, so anyway... Here's our test. These are signs that you may not trust yourself. I try to prove myself and my value to other people. I try to control things around me so that I can feel safe. I compare the choices that I have made to choices made by other people. I am unable to find or value my own voice and place in the world. I'm prone to catastrophizing. That is, I'm filled with the constant expectation of failure, disappointment, or betrayal. I mentally relive or rehash past traumas and adverse events. I engage in negative and harmful self-talk, and my negative ego can sometimes take control. I break the promises that I've made to myself even when they would benefit me. I defer to others, allowing them to make choices and decisions for me. And number 10, I hold in anger and resentment or ill will towards those who I feel have hurt or harmed me. <clears throat> well, at least you're not crying like I did when I, when I worked through the list. And, and you know, it isn't, of course, that we feel like we're in these modes all the time, right? Oftentimes it will pop up for us some of these feelings of not being worthy enough or, or not being in control or, or whatever it might be in different areas of our life. Sometimes we feel completely confident uh, at work maybe or completely competent and confident at home or wh whatever it may be. And then something will happen and suddenly don't we just feel like we're an unworthy 10-year-old child who's somehow being punished by the world? Well, I want to talk about this today. Frankly, I'm going to be a little bit in your face. We're going to cover, I think, four of the key things, and I'm calling them misbeliefs or false beliefs 
about ourselves that create this distrust, and we're going to work through them. Uh, but uh, since this is going to be a, a tough sermon, of course we deserve a joke uh, first, I think. So the fire brigade of a small town is trying to rescue a fellow from the fifth floor of a burning building. They've got an outstretched blanket held between them. Fireman Joe says, jump into the center of the blanket and we'll catch you. Well, the fellow replies, Joe, I know you. I've never trusted you since the day you put sugar in my sleeping bag at summer camp. There's got to be a better way than this. Fireman Clay holds the blanket up higher and says, we'll catch you, I promise. Just jump. The fellow replies, Clay, I know you too. You pushed me in the lake that time when we were kids. I almost drowned. There's got to be some safe way of handling this. Fireman Paul says, don't worry about those two. They'll do the right thing. They're good fellows. Jump now before the flames push you out. The fellow replies, Paul, you devil. I never trust you. You took my sweetheart away from me in high school. The fourth fireman, Sam, says, enough of this BS. The only other option is to put the blanket on the ground. Then you wouldn't have to trust anyone. But, but the joke raises an interesting question. Sometimes I feel that trust is one of those least common denominators. It's like in a world that isn't trustworthy, right? Do you ever have the feeling that sometimes the world itself or life itself is hazardous? And so it isn't so much who we trust, it's like, well, who do I trust more than? Who could I possibly trust with this part of my life or to help me with that part of my life? And it leads, of course, right into this idea of the false beliefs we have that keep us down. So the first one is that other people make better choices. Now, this was highlighted, for those of you who are old enough, this was so highlighted in the 1950s and 1960s. If you would go into almost any restaurant, you would discover that the husband of a couple would order the entire meal, right? It would be, well, I'll have the swordfish, and the little lady will have the scallops. Are any of you old enough to remember it? Super common. I know, I know today we think, no, it couldn't have really, but no, it was super common right then. The idea that some people simply would make better choices for me than myself. Well, the fallacy here, of course, the main fallacy is that someone else somehow knows better about me than me. And I'm sure we, we run across this in our lives all the time where we might say to ourselves, well, you know, I've made bad choices around this area in the past. Maybe I should just leave that up to my partner to make that decision. Or I've never been really good at this. Maybe, uh, maybe someone else should decide more for me. And of course, there are uh, realistic reasons why you might want to do this, right? There's this thing in the world called experts, they're good. <laughs> we should trust them, right? I, I, I mean, I'm pretty good at math, but I don't do my own taxes. There are people who know more about doing taxes than I do. Absolutely, I'm going to trust that level of expertise. I'm talking about, though, you, authentically you, allowing someone to make other choices about you. 
So uh, many years ago when I first started the telephone company, they thought they could dictate their picture of what a perfect employee would be by their policies and procedures. And so at that time, you actually had to read through this thick policy and procedure uh, set of guidelines, and it had things like uh, the perfect employee is never absent. Okay, so this is 20 years ago, but it was a real thing, I swear. The perfect employee is never tardy, and they had time clocks to verify that you were never tardy. The perfect employee schedules their uh, doctor's appointments at least three weeks in advance. They had pictures of how we dressed because the perfect employee at that time, if, if they were a, a woman, had hosiery and a dress. And if you were, if you were a gentleman, you had to wear a, a jacket. You didn't have to wear a tie, uh, but you had to have a, a pressed uh, button-down shirt and a jacket and slacks and so on and so forth. Do you see how this is some outside agency trying to control a big part of what makes you you. Well, now, the business world has maybe moved on to some degree, although you'll still find places where they will try to dictate a fair amount of how you show up in the world, and certainly policies and such. But do you see how when we give over to someone else's idea of who and what we should be, it's their idea of us. It's not our idea of us. There needs to be that authenticity of who we are and who we're choosing to be that dictates the choices of our lives. And when we give over those choices simply because we're afraid, and here's where it usually happens, right? There's some memory in our mind about a decision we made that produced a disaster in the past, and so therefore, you better decide for me. And oftentimes, this becomes uh, so enculturated that we don't even say, you decide for me. We just go silent and allow our partner or our business associate or our best friend to decide where we're going to dinner and what movie we're going to see. And, and pretty soon, there's none of us left. The decisions are being made by someone else because we're tentative or shy about making them ourselves. And we begin to wonder who we even are. Who am I in this relationship? Who am I at work when someone else is really saying that for me? This is a totally false belief. You have the right always to make your own decisions. And you have the exclusive right to even make your bad decisions. Now, I, I know you're going to laugh a little bit. Well, well, Larry, bad decisions aren't such a good thing. But yet, you know what? They actually are a good thing. It is only through taking risks that any progress is ever made. And if you are going to make progress... You are going to take some calculated risks, make some decisions that will, by their very definition, have a less than optimal outcome. That's my fancy word for failure, by the way, <laughs> is less than optimal outcome. And the reason I like to say less than out optimal outcome is that it implies it was just a trial, right? I gave it my best shot. It didn't come out the way I had hoped. No big deal. I learn from it, and I try again. No big deal. 
It's kind of like when the, the two-year-old spills the milk. You don't, you, you know, you don't pull out all the stops and anger and rage and the, about the carpet and you just go, oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> There's more milk in the fridge, right? Is no big deal. And those are the kind of risks that we should be willing to take every single day to try new things, to go out on the edge, to push the envelope of who we are with the vision of who we want to be so we're willing to go back to school and try a subject that we don't know if we're good at. We're, we're willing to, to start taking uh, lessons of some kind, not knowing whether the, the result of it will be for you or not for you. And we're willing to do it because we recognize on the inside that is the only way that progress gets made. If you want your life to be exactly the way it is now, you never have to take a risk. And I would suggest... Is there anyone here that actually has zero aspirations for improvement in themselves or in the world? Okay, bless you for that. <laughs> I was a little worried someone might raise a hand. <laughs> this planet has room for improvements. And the only way this planet will have improvements is if we are willing to take risks. If we are willing to say, this is important to me, this is my choice, I'm okay with it. If we defer the choices to other people, well, that's the mess we're in right now, is we have deferred too many of our choices to people who stand in for us in politics, in the world of fashion, right? Everyone that we consider to be an expert is making our decisions for us. And sometimes that's warranted. Uh, if you want to get your tax, taxes done properly, go to an expert if you don't have time to study it up on your own. But so often we simply give away the keys to our own choices to other people. Second thing I want to talk about is the belief that somehow other people's opinions are more important about me than me. How often do you look towards other people for validating your existence and yourself? Can you take a compliment? Do you recognize your own beauty, your own capability? Do you recognize your own authentic power? Or are you seeking out approval from other people? You know, one of my uh, favorite New Thought writers, Edwin Gaines, says, what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> and I would like to pitch that out to you. What other people think of you is none whatsoever of your business. The person that you have to impress is you. The person with whom you have to work with day in and day out, the person that you need to look up to, the person that you need to be uh, solid in your intentions and so on and so forth, is just you. You're the source of your own happiness. You're the source of your own greatness. You're the source of your own power. And therefore, beholden to you only here. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about getting along with other people. I do, I do understand I'm not the only one on the entire planet. <laughs> and so we do have to, of course, make peace with the people around us, absolutely. But that's different than getting validation for who you are from them. 
you should have a good idea of who you are and who you want to be. You should be able to see another couple steps along the path of your own spiritual development. What will I be like in a couple years? Because I want to start making choices and beliefs towards that. I want to be the, the best me that I can be. So there is certainly room for improvement in all of us, absolutely. But that approval, that sense of improvement, that sense of empowerment is absolutely 100% your right and your responsibility. When we look to others, we will get feedback about what they want us to be, not who we authentically are. Make sense? The third thing I want to talk about today, and this is a big one for a lot of folks, is the persistent false belief that our past will somehow cloud up or interfere with our present and our future. That belief that because I failed at something when I was 10 years old, or that belief that my first marriage was a, a rotten one, or, or the belief because I got fired from a job five years ago that I'll have difficulty finding work now. Those are the, the BS beliefs, if you will, that somehow what happened to me in my past is going to predict exactly what's going to happen to me coming up. And it's why we're fearful of dating. It's why we're fearful of job interviews. It's why we're fearful about speaking in, in public situations. It's because somehow in our head, there's a picture of how we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago, when something went wrong. And I, I'm just like, I'm right there again. And I'm nervous to raise my hand. I'm nervous to speak my piece. I'm finding it difficulty to take that test or, or fill out that application or whatever it is. This is a false belief. Each day is new. And the more you believe those voices and impressions from the past, the more you will mess it up all on your own. It will, be the, it will be the fear in you that makes the job interview go badly. It will be the nervousness in your heart that will make dating so painful. Right? It, it's, you're, you're really setting yourself up for more of the same when you hold on to those beliefs about the past as though somehow, somehow, they're going to be recreated or replayed in the future. So that one, the antidote for that is simply to say to yourself, no way. Today is fresh. Today is new. I get to make different choices because I'm a different person. When bad things happen, we learn from them and we move forward into something better, something more glorious, more to our liking. So, so when those things in the past happen to us, it's not an altogether bad news situation. We learned for it. It's likely we will get better because of it, not repeat it. Why would we ever repeat some, some miserable situation that happened in the past, right? That's, that's certainly not our intention. So let us instead say, yeah, that happened. Oh, what a mess I made when I went to that job interview. And I learned a lot from it. I learned to be more prepared. I, I learned uh, what the, some of the questions might be in their interview. I've practiced a little bit. It's like, I'm glad that negative one happened because it has clued me in 
on how to move forward into the next one. The last of these four main issues that came about as our quiz is somehow just the false belief that you are not worthy of the good life. And I want to tell you, this is pretty endemic. There is at the core of many, many people the idea that they are not smart enough, that they are not capable enough, that they are not lovable enough, that they are not worthy enough, that they're, you name it, they're, they're either too old or not old enough, depending on whether you're a, a teenager or in your 40s, you're either too old or too young, right? It's like crazy stuff. And I am here as your spiritual leader to tell you that you are made in God's image. In the Bible, when it says that we're made in the likeness and aspect of God, it means that we are made out of God's stuff. No mistakes here. We are made on purpose with the same qualities of the divine as God. Now, it doesn't mean that God looks like us, right? I mean, not literal likeness, but with the same capabilities and aspects as the divine. So God's love is your love. That's the intention. God's wholeness is your wholeness. That's the intention here. Everything that God has and is, is also a part of you. And if we diminish ourselves, we're saying that God has made a mistake. If we're diminishing ourselves through our thoughts, through our actions, through our words, we're saying that somehow, you know, God just did, God was having a bad day when I was made. God does not have bad days. There is a spark of the divine in each person that is undeniable. And when we diffuse compliments, when we say things like, oh, well, it was nothing, when we refuse to take credit for some of the marvelous things that we have done and shown up, when we say to ourselves, well, maybe you're just not worthy of having the good job, of living the good life, of finding someone who maybe truly, authentically loves you, when we say those kinds of things, we are working against God itself. I wish somehow I could even be harder asked on this particular subject. Honestly, it's what I see in most of the people who come to me for counseling. Some ingrained belief, and often it comes from uh, something they were told when they were a child or some belief that started earlier in life, that there's just something wrong with them. That they were just made improperly. That their brain doesn't work right or they're uh, intrinsically going to make bad choices or whatever it is. It is simply not true. And if this is resonating with you at all, I advise you, please seek out some personal help with this. Get a prayer partner who can stand witness to the authentic beauty and power that is uniquely you. Uh, seek out a practitioner who can help you work through issues of self-esteem and self-trust. This is not to be fooled around with. This is the lens with which you look at the world. And if you truly think you are unworthy, the world, unfortunately, will reflect that back to you and will give you seemingly more evidence <laughs> of your unworthiness. Then, then suddenly the world seems to be going, yeah, I guess you are stupid. Yeah, I guess you could have done that better. 
And, and it's really a reflection of your own belief. It isn't true. You'll find an equal number of people allotting and praising you, but you won't notice them because they won't fit into your idea of how things work. So if it resonated at all in our pop quiz when we talked about thinking that you were not worthy of the good life or the perfect love or the joyous existence, then let us take that up as a cause to be worked on. You can do it yourself, but you know what? You're, you're working on yourself through the lens of that feeling not quite enough or good enough. And that's hard to do. It, it, it's like uh, trying to, uh, to reach for the height uh, when you've never been there before. So I really recommend prayer partners are awesome. Of course, you can do uh, some self-study work, but working with a practitioner around this issue in particularly powerful, and I really recommend it. All right, I'm going to summarize what we talked about today. Uh, basically, trusting ourselves, recognizing that you are made in God's image. You are worthy. You make great decisions. You're the only one that can make decisions for you. If someone else does it, they're making a decision based on how they want you to be, not necessarily how you are. We've also learned how to, I hope, to satisfy ourselves, to have a, a vision of where we want to move and feeling good about making progress in that, that the satisfaction for life shouldn't be asking other people how we're doing, but sensing that on our own, feeling the progress that we make on life. And then finally, the idea that today is always the fresh day. We do not have to dwell in the past to make a picture of where we're going today, that truly each day is new. So homework, I do have some homework for you. It's either, I would say, a journaling opportunity or a contemplation activity. And so the journaling or the contemplation would be, what is your vision of the good life? How do you see yourself living the good life? Not what someone else says a perfect spouse should be like, not what someone else says a perfect uh, worker should be like, or a perfect mother should be like. What is your vision of the good life for you? And then I would like you to ask one further question. Why are you worthy of it? I want you, if you can, to feel that God has appointed you to this good life. And so ask yourself, how and why am I worthy of this vision of a good life for me? I'm going to close with a quote from the book and a prayer. Ms. Van Zandt says, The greatest impediments to the development and experience of self-trust are the stories you tell yourself and the voices to which you grant permission to run wild in your own mind. When you allow horror stories to ricochet throughout your brain or when you have tapes of various unidentified or abusive voices playing on repeat, not only will it be difficult to trust yourself, more often than not, you will actively sabotage your deepest desires and greatest efforts. Once you have identified, once you have separated your truth from all the misinformation that you believe about yourself, you will understand that you, just as you are, are fully equipped to navigate through all the challenging people and circumstances in your life. Always remember that this power is within you. It will guide you, protect you, and your life will always be okay.
Let us pray. There is one power, one presence. There is only this one thing, this one life, this one consciousness. I call it God, and I know I'm right in the middle of it, that God's love is my love, that God's joy is my joy, that the abundance and the peace and the harmony of the divine are mine to have and to use. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person on this planet. Each of us has this divine power because we're part of the divine. We're worthy of the divine. And as each one of us defines our vision of the good life, we can begin to take steps towards it. We can begin to examine our our own choices, even when they're mistakes, and, and recognize that taking a risk for something new is part of life, that it's no big deal. That a mistake is easily released, allowing us to move forward into the present and into the future with that optimistic view of life being good. And so anything that might stand in the way of this, any of these false beliefs that we talked about, simply fade into the background. Each of us is enough Each of us has the keys to the kingdom. Each of us making great decisions about our lives. Each of us being self-satisfied with our place in the world. And so for this, for this I give great thanks. I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.